0: and welcome to the pack heavy podcast now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision i call this mindset the pack heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organise the appropriate resources and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place and I'm excited to have you here. Good morning everybody and welcome to episode 32 where today I'm joined by Lindsay O'Donnell, founder and marketing director of Pickent Marketing. Before we do get started on the episode though, I do want to talk to you about Food Pack, which is the company that I work for here in Vancouver BC. Now with FoodPak, we've been in business for a little bit over 50 years. And you know we used to be located in downtown Vancouver, but in August last year, uh, we actually moved our warehouse and showroom floor and um, and our head office into Richmond. And what that really allowed us to do is grow. And we've been growing quite rapidly since then. Uh, we've got a warehouse full of stock pouches and vacuum bags. Uh, we've got a showroom floor packed full of equipment. Um, the great thing about our showroom floor is that everything in there is operational so if you wanted to come in and test a piece of equipment with some of your products we can absolutely do that with you you know, I'm talking um, single and double chamber vacuum machines, band sealers, um, semi-automatic and automatic uh, tray sealers and also a um, a thermoformer. And now it's not very often that you get to see a thermoformer in action, but we've got one, we've got our Cipramac and uh, it's a great piece of equipment and, um, and definitely worthy of a discussion if that is something that you're looking to get into. Uh, we also uh, rep Repack, which is a great brand out of Italy, um, extremely reliable and um, honestly like the technology that's involved there is just second to none. when it comes to the consumable side of the business, I mean there's a lot to the conversation, but what we primarily specialize in is, you know, moving small and startup businesses from a stock pouch into a fully customized and printed piece. So, you know, whether we're talking about a digital run with a minimum order quantity of 2500 pieces per skew, or we're talking rotogravure with an MOQ of 5000 pieces per skew, you know, it's all very very achievable numbers especially for a small size business. If you've got a larger business and you've got an existing pouch I'd love to sit down with you and um, you know discuss what you've currently got in your hand and the direction that you're moving your business and see where we can help you to make some improvements on your pouch. Um, if you've got a larger size business and your volume is there, we can definitely open up our warehousing program to you. I mean, there are certain terms and conditions that are associated with the warehousing program, but primarily the key um, driver is that we can help you free up some working capital within your business and, uh, and warehouse your stock for you. Um, every time you pull stock from the warehouse, we'll provide you with a stock variation report or a stock movement report, I should say, um, which will you know, show you what you've got in the warehouse and we'll work with you to um, you know, trigger the next manufacturing run so that you never have to worry about lead times or running out of stock again. Um, all really worthwhile things to um, think about within your business and um, and definitely something worth discussing with us. So if you'd like to uh, learn more or have a conversation with me about equipment or about your packaging, uh, definitely get in touch with me at hayden at the pack heavy Podcast.com. You could DM me on LinkedIn or you can also give me a call on my work number which is 604-360-6790 okay on with the episode so picant marketing was developed and founded in 2016 by lindsay to connect vancouver's food scene with people who are hungry for something delicious made up of a team of influential smart and driven foodies and health geeks who know the landscape picant offers simple solutions for food and health brands to support or manage integrated marketing campaigns starting with basic packages through to complete management of marketing activities i really enjoyed this conversation that i had with lindsay i learned a lot and i know that you will too Good morning, Lindsay. It's great to have you here.
1: I'm happy to be here.
0: And how's the summer started off for you?
1: Yeah, no complaints. Busy. And summer is always a weird time for food because I find food businesses get really busy, but they kind of ignore us a little bit because they're so busy. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, vacations and stuff. So it's a good time of year to just sort of like plan and... Invest in your company.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, the food industry is so dependent on the season, you know, with um, the peaks and troughs and valleys of it all. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm working actually with a client here at Food Pack, um, Mr. Cooper's Pies, who's also located in Steveson, which is where you are. And their business yes. is extremely seasonal.
1: Yeah, I could see that. um Yeah, I mean, I have like a gelato client. They're pretty seasonal, but I feel like over the past year, all my clients got much better at adapting. So, you know, whether it be off season or just like pivoting in terms of delivery and getting more creative at creative demand, I feel like COVID, if you made it through, you're more stable Mm. now. So yeah, I do have a few seasonal clients and, but they seem to have um, really invested in sort of new revenue streams and new tactics.
0: Yeah, 100%. It's something that we've noticed here as well. You know, whether it's a restaurant that's had to close their doors and not allow, you know, people onto the floor and uh, and they've sort of branched out into either the retail space or the pre-prepared yeah. or um, meal kit sort of space. You know, we've got yeah. trade sealers here that, you know, we've been providing to um, to our clients in that world. But yeah, I would imagine that in the marketing space where you are, Um, you know, they would want to keep things pretty active just to keep their um, clientele, you know, aware of what their activities are and so on as well. So that's exactly the world that you live in.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I could talk forever. It's uh, the COVID experience and how it was different for all my clients, but yeah. I'm sure that's another episode.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And the whole COVID conversation, I think, you know, people aren't getting tired of it because there's so much to be learned, you know, through it all, but the real reason that I wanted to talk to you. And I guess when we first connected, I mentioned that on episode 26, I'd already interviewed Jenny Shaw from social wellness where, um, Jenny and I sort of discussed social media strategies and content creation, which was great. And then on episode thirty. I was also lucky enough to have a really great conversation with Erica Rankin from Brodo, who I'm not too sure if you're aware of Erica. Um, she's pretty active on LinkedIn, but she's also blown up and exploded on LinkedIn. Uh, sorry, on TikTok. Mm. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. And the real reason that I wanted to talk to you, though, um, is that I'm really interested in marketing strategies that food-based CBG companies can implement in the early days and on a mm-hmm. shoestring budget. So whether it's social media and TikTok, like I've already had that conversation, so I didn't want to focus too greatly on it. Um, but mm-hmm. I really also wanted to talk to you and get some insights on market research that you can, you know, conduct to, um you know gather gather some information on you know Mm -hmm. brand and marketing strategy so whether that's qualitative Mm -hmm. or quantitative research that's definitely something that i'd like to have a chat with you about today but before we kick off uh, where did you grow up where are you from
1: yeah so i grew up in steveson yeah uh i lived in vancouver for a while but i'm now back in steveson Yeah. So I grew up in Steveston. I was really athletic and I was an activist from a really young age. I feel like I've told this story a million times, but, uh, yeah, I was like the person in high school, like picking the cans out of the garbage. I was an animal activist. I went vegetarian at 16, um, vegan at 26. I'm still vegan. And so I, in school, I really got into marketing and I had these like two worlds, Mm -hmm. you know, like I was like Going like I ended up going to BCIT for marketing communications, but I co founded my not a nonprofit. I was volunteering for Greenpeace. I went to like activist training camp. I met Paul Watson and tried to start a Sea Shepherd here, but there was this whole thing where he was being sued by the Canadian government. So he couldn't have a table or a, a, a presence here. Paul Watson is like um he's like the person who like goes and hunts down illegal whaling ships. Wow. Um he's like like one of the biggest activists in the world. Um So, yeah, that was like, I just had these two worlds. I was like really into activism and I, uh, but then in school, I was like going to school for marketing and I really wanted to work somewhere that I was passionate about, Hmm. um, but I didn't know what that was. And so I went to school, um, BCIT for marketing communications. I had this nonprofit and like my career was like not really going great. Like I felt like I went to school for marketing and then I couldn't get into marketing. Like mm. at the time, the entry level position was marketing coordinator. And it, that could mean everything from like literally a receptionist to like a director. Like it, it just meant everything, right? There wasn't the roles that there were, are now where there's like a content or like social media specialist or copywriter or whatever. Like that was my entry. And I just couldn't seem to get in. And I was going into all these jobs that I wasn't really passionate about, but I was like trying to work my way up. I wanted to like make a lot of money and I didn't know how my activism thing was going to fit in. Mm. Um, But yeah, I just seemed to be like circling and I had these two worlds and then um, I ended up getting a job at Whole Foods market in marketing and like everything just like clicked. I was like, Oh my God, food is activism. You know what I mean? Like people were like at Whole Foods, people were passionate about like food transparency. They're passionate about animal rights They're passionate about the environment and they were using food as a way to like, express love push for change and educate people and I was just like these are my people this is where I need to be um and so that's like my backstory I know you said where did you grow up but um yeah that's sort of like how I ended up in uh marketing and food was it just sort of was like these two worlds correct like colliding and um as soon as I was at Whole Foods I was like this is what I should have been trying to do the whole time like this is where I should have been trying to get to
0: Damn, it must have felt great to sort of really find what it is that you were looking for. You know, that sort of intersection between what you're passionate about and the vehicle that you can use to get your message across.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I've ever had an experience like that since where I was like, this is it. I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be and everything clicked. Mm. Um, and, you know, getting that job, I like everything I had ever done came in handy. Like I had been doing things leading up to it. Like I'd co-founded a nonprofit. I had like, with that nonprofit, I had to like teach myself a bunch of stuff like email marketing and social media. Um, cause at the time, like that at around that time was when, if you got a job in marketing, people were like, yeah, you can start a Facebook if you want, you know? Um, and so it was like everything I had ever done, I needed to just squeeze in and get that job. I'd never had a marketing job. And then all of a sudden I was a marketing manager of a team. Um, and so, yeah, it was just like a total incredible high to be somewhere and just feel like this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm with my people. And like, it just, it was like, fuel on the flame or flames. Is that a saying? I
0: don't know. But no, that's it what- is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. And you know, when I was reading your LinkedIn bio, there was one line in particular that I highlighted and you said at the core of my work, I'm just trying to show people something that I know that they will love. And mm-hmm. one thing that I really noticed when I was reading through your website is that you are an incredibly clear writer and a great storyteller. And so that must be something that's in your DNA. So marketing just comes naturally to you as well it seems, but is that something that you've had to work on as well? Um,
1: I've always loved writing. Mm. Like I loved having a blog. I like for a while I was trying to write a novel and I was writing like a thousand words a weekend when I was in high school, I used to write these like long stories for my friends. Um, so that always came naturally, but I mean, being a writer, like I even got emails from clients today being like, you've got this spelling error, you know, <laughs> like I'm someone who like, you know, I'm writing quickly. So Yeah, I mean, I think if you want to get into marketing, you don't have to be a good writer or a good storyteller, but you have to have certain elements of it, you know? And so the writing was just something I've always like really enjoyed. I'm a communicator, as you can tell. Mm. I love to talk and I love to write.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, um, I mean, there are so many places that we could take this conversation. But what I really want to dig into is, you know, not only are you an expert in marketing, but you're also a business owner as well. So let's just start um, by talking a little bit about the business that you've developed. And um, and what I'm really interested in also is what made motivated you to go out on your own.
1: Yeah, so um, I didn't ask you this before. Am I allowed to swear?
0: Yes. Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Um <laughs>
1: Yeah. So I, I got laid off at Whole Foods. They like, were doing some big changes and I sort of felt like I had reached my peak. Like I, um, head office isn't here local, right? Like the regional head office, if you're in Vancouver would be in Seattle and then the head office is in Texas. So like yeah. you really, I felt like I was just, I mean, it was a good time. I was still sad, but it was a good time. And then I kind of bounced around and, um, I was just like, I bounced around like in and out of the food industry. And I was just like, I'm spending all my spare time in the food, like I'm going to the influencer events, I'm keeping up on the products, like this is where I want to be. So I might as well be working in it. Um, and I was at a job that was going very badly. And I was, <laughs> I knew it was going to end explosively. Um, and I was just like, okay, this isn't for everybody. But I was like, I'm so tired of working for idiots. Like, and that's how I felt, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, oh, like, I felt like my career wasn't in my hands. I felt like I was constantly being told to stay within my pay grade, like if I was like, Hey, this is like a really great idea. Why don't we try this? Or this is a big marketing trend. They'd be like, yeah, we have people that deal with that or like great idea. Like I, I was just so, tired. I was just like, I feel like I have so much potential. I'm willing to work so hard. And people were like, that's nice. And um, yeah, and I felt like a lot of times I was working for idiots and not, entirely idiots, but I was just like, when it comes to marketing, you know, I, I just, I was so frustrated and I, I thought, okay, well, it's time for me to try something on my own and I'll either like crash and burn and I'll come back and I'll be so much more appreciative of <laughs> a nine to five job or I'll succeed and I'll be right. You know? So, um, I had a partner at the time and, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something in food. And so I thought like, maybe I'll do a product myself. Like I have these like a really good like cookie recipe. I have some like really good salad dressing recipes. And so I took someone out, a food owner, out for coffee, and she talked to me for like an hour. And I was like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for all this information. I never want to do that. Like, <laughs> if you're a food business owner, you are extremely passionate about the thing you're creating. Correct. Like, I don't think we'll, I don't think I don't think you will last if you're like, I want to start a business. And I've seen it a few times. I want to start a business. I guess I'll do this food thing because you have to be so passionate about the actual product. It has to be so good. You can't do it the other way around. But at the end of it, she was like, I need marketing help. And I was like, I just want to do what I did at Whole Foods. And so I started getting up at like five or 430 or something. Maybe it gets earlier every time I tell the story. But um, with my partner and we would work on the business before we went to work. Mm. And I knew that I was like, it's either going to get fired or quit really soon. Um, and so that's how it started. And yeah, it was basically like, I know, I know all the players. Um, I know there's a need and I've got someone who I think I can partner with. And so that's how Pekin came to be.
0: Great. And, um, I mean, That is such a typical story, you know, people having frustrations at work and going, I really wanna do this myself. So that's not the first time that I've heard this story. And it's also not the first time that I've heard the story of somebody actually thinking that they were gonna have an idea, like a, you know, a product and actually get it started and being talked out of it too. Because like you just suggested, it's a hell of a lot of work. And uh, I've been really fortunate on this podcast in that I've, you know, interviewed quite a few of these entrepreneurs that are just getting through the hard part right now where they're mm-hmm. so involved in the business and they're just breaking out of that sort of cycle right now and allowing themselves mm-hmm. the opportunity to work in the business, biz- uh, sorry, on the business and being mm-hmm. a little bit more strategic. Um I really love the fact that you are so willing to partner up with these organizations and, you know, offer them a service and an opportunity to really excel at a component of their business that's so critical marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because they don't necessarily have the know-how or the capability or even the, mm-hmm. the sort of the space to employ someone within the organization mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about, how you operate with your clients whether it's somebody on a shoestring budget all the way through to somebody with a significant budget and what you can offer
1: yeah so a few years ago i um i realized that i didn't have a very effective funnel or value ladder so when we started we were an agency yep. and in the beginning I saw what other agencies were charging and I was like oh my god that's ridiculous and then I quickly realized I was like no that's what it costs like <laughs> it's a lot of time to come up with we're doing everything just the two of us my partner yeah. was I had a partner for the first year and a half photos content creation um and so but very quickly I realized that like I guess like two between two two and three years i was able to catch my breath and i was like there's so many businesses that are are at so many different stages and they'll reach out to me on social and they'll be like can we go get coffee and we'll meet for an hour and then at the end of it i'll be like these are our prices and they're like we're not there yet and i basically was like okay have a like come back to me and that's not really effective and i wasn't really helping people at different stages Mm -hmm. um even if that price point didn't make sense so What I started to do was like expand the value ladder so that we could help people at different stages so we can work with like really, really big brands and people who are just starting. So if you're just starting, we have a bunch of online courses. And basically my favorite course is everything you need to to know for marketing for the first two years of your business. And I love this course because whether you do it yourself or you hire an intern or a coordinator, you know enough to know how to manage it and know how to like allocate your time, how to create a marketing plan. So the course is everything from Influencer marketing, market research, writing a marketing plan, social media, um, photography, like basically like how to build it with no money, whether you're doing it yourself and or if you have someone helping you, like how to know if something's good or, mm. or if, if they should be doing what they're doing. So that's that was the first thing we did. Um, and then I started to offer consulting for people who are in between. Um, but by the time this podcast comes out, I might not be offering that anymore because I'm probably going to turn it into a group program. But when COVID hit, I had so many people who were like, I've got a small chunk of money. Um, I'm past the point of a course, like I've, I've got all that stuff going, but I need somebody to like, it's the mental fatigue for a lot of business owners. They're Mm -hmm. like, should I be on TikTok? Should I do YouTube? Should I do newsletter? Should I learn about this? It's, it's the decision fatigue rather than the actual execution. And so I started offering consulting where I was like, we'll meet once a week, every two weeks, you give me a list and I'll advise you on what you have to do. And you don't have to think about marketing between." Um, and so I'll probably turn that, I am turning that into a group program. because I was doing the same thing for everybody. It was like, let's get your Facebook ad set up. Let's talk about your social media. Let's get some influencer samples out. Let's do some partnerships. And then like, let's see what to do next. And then the next stage is the agency. And that's Mm. basically for people that are at a place where they're like, I hate this. And I don't want to do it anymore because when you get too busy, I, you want to work on the business. So we take all your marketing off your plate. We also help grow it. And so that's a really lovely place to be where you're like, I can have a team of experts for the price of maybe like one salaried person that includes like designers, photographers, social media engagement, and also the decision fatigue too. Like we're coming to you once a month saying, Hey, this is happening. Uh, we we're on Facebook uh chat for an hour, so we fixed this thing for you. So those are the three levels that we have right now is like basically the online courses, all the free content we offer on our social media. The consulting which will be a group program and then the agency packages
0: Mm, that's awesome i mean what a great opportunity for somebody to get out there like you said it's not always just about um curating and you know um, obtaining that knowledge to use yourself it's so that you've got the understanding to or the ability to ask the right questions when you're working Mm -hmm. with somebody um that, you know, I went to university and I completed my master's in entrepreneurship and innovation. And essentially that was the one key takeaway that I took out of it. It's like, now I've got the ability to speak the language, you know, of Mm, all of the different components of the business, but I'm not an expert in any of them. Yeah. Um, With your online courses, sort of, what are the duration of those courses and how much do they cost?
1: So I think the most expensive one is like $400. That's yeah. the that's the main one. Yeah. Um. And I love that one. I get amazing feedback on it. You get like a template for social media reporting, uh, a social media plan. And basically, I think it's like 10 modules. They're each like 20 minutes each. Mm-hmm. And they just go over like, this is how like you plan your social media. This is how you talk to an influencer. This is what you should ask for. Um. You know, Uh. if you only have a little bit of money, here's how you should spend it. If you have mm-hmm. a lot of money, here's how you should spend it. I have a couple other courses. One is um, optimizing your website. So right. basically like a lot of people that myself included, you build a website, then you forget about it. And mm-hmm. you spend every day on social media because that needs your constant attention. But if you are getting like organic traffic, which you will, are you making sure to optimize it? Do you know how to welcome it so that hot customers know where to go and what to put where for cold customers? So that's, I think, I think that's an only a $50 course. Um, and that's, I think, an hour and a half. It was mm-hmm. a webinar. Yeah. Um, I love that one too. Just like it's it's really simple. Like this is what should be in your header. This is what you the like the text that you should use. And then the third one I have is just for marketers. It's how to land any marketing job of your dreams.
0: Yeah. I so that. I thought yeah. that was really interesting that you'd put out that put that content out there as well.
1: Yeah. Well, I get so many resumes and I'm like, oh my God, like you you're doing this wrong, or, or you have no idea how you look to somebody who's hiring, or there's some simple things you can do to make yourself stand out. Um, and I've I've gotten amazing feedback on that too. I, I had somebody who'd said that after they took it, they immediately got two interviews. Um, so yeah, I just put that out. And that's really my focus is like, my team is um, really handles the client side. I oversee it, but that's like really where I wanna grow is like the, the online resources, the courses, it's really fun. And I can help much more people than, you know, working with people one-on-one.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. Without giving too much of the content away, I'd love to dive into that sort of $400 course because, I mean, that is such a low barrier, you know, to get into a course like that. And, the you know, what you'll be able to learn in that is something that, you know, it's kind of a foundation to build upon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, at the start of the podcast, I sort of mentioned to you that I'd sort of love to pick your brain on sort of some areas that an entrepreneur or a small business owner can sort of work on, um, mm-hmm. on a shoestring budget. So what are the sort of core pieces that you think, uh, somebody should concentrate on?
1: So if you are a brand new, um, a brand new brand, it's always great to have a business plan and a marketing plan, but you're probably going to deviate from it a lot. Yeah. I mean, we had a business plan and then immediately we were like, well, <laughs> this isn't what the market wants. You know what I mean? Like you can research yeah. all you want, but what people tell you and trends in the market is a lot different than how be- people behave. I mean, anyone who's planned an event will tell you that like, Oh, I had a hundred people swear up and down they're going to come and then not sell any tickets. So mm-hmm. if you're a brand new brand, definitely write the plans. Cause it gives you a roadmap. Um, but n- like, do not be married to it. I mean, when we first started, we had different, our target audience varied, our prices varied and actually what we offered varied. And we had a lot of experience and we had done a lot of research. So write a plan, Um, and then, you know, if you're a food brand, the best thing you can do is be at farmer's markets, be at events, and I want, I talk about this in the online course, like, I want you to pay attention to a lot of things, I want you to pay attention to the questions people are asking, what turns them on and what turns them off? Like, are they attracted to your booth because of the colors, and then do they walk away when they learn about the price? Are they asking about ingredients? And I also want people to pay attention to the hierarchy of questions, if that makes sense. Mm because I had one client who was like, she had a couple of differentiators. Uh, they were like uh, really delicious sweets, but they were sweetened with fruit, fruit juice instead of sugar. Yeah. Um, and they're really healthy. But then she was like, ah, oh, one of my best clients keeps asking about the fact that there's activated nuts in them. And she's like, should I switch my messaging? And I was like, she's already bought in. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I want you to think about who's asking. Like, if she's already buying your product religiously, then she, she bought in because of the messaging that you're using. You don't need to change your messaging. Maybe you create a system where you can give that additional messaging to your best clients. Mm, um, yeah. So maybe that's a newsletter, like think about your funnel. What do you hook people in with? And then how do you further educate them as they become more invested in your brand? So if you're yeah. a new brand, like you definitely have to be at events and you have to really pay attention to what people are asking, what they're interested in. I can't underestimate how important packaging is just in terms of like, if people want to photograph it. Um, if it's appealing, doesn't mean it has to be expensive. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is like, make sure you survey your audience at least once a year. And I want you for the brands to pay attention to actually any brand. I want you to, I want you to really pay attention to the language they use. So if you ask them, like, like for me, I did the last survey I did, I asked about marketing budgets, but then the the, the way people worded it, I had to change the wording on my social media, on my offers. Like I, you might think, you know, the service or the need that you're feeling, but understand how people are wording them and how they talk about their pain points. Right. Um, so if you're a food brand, the first thing to do is research, get in front of people, and then also just really listen to the language people are using so that you can use that language in your marketing. Mm. The Other thing you can do is I always say, just like master one thing and leverage it. So if you can, the easiest and cheapest thing you can do is get on social media. It doesn't have to be beautiful, but like get in those direct messages, start talking to people, engage with your community and don't feel like you have to have a newsletter, a a YouTube, um, you know, a supper club, do one thing really well. And then when you feel like the, the wheels are greased and you've got a really engaged community, tell them, hey, if you love what we have here, we've got something additional on this other platform. However, one little caveat is always collect emails. Emails are so valuable um, and you don't own your audience on social media. Facebook does. The algorithm can change. You could have your account hacked. So really you want to use social media as a way to get people on an email list or a way where you have direct contact. Even if you're not ready to email them yet, make sure that you're collecting those emails. So
0: yeah, no, the email list is so valuable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, extremely. Um, you've just actually nailed quite a few points that uh, quite a few people that I've interviewed have said, you know, farmer's markets, the best way to get information direct from the consumer. Um mm-hmm liters, Mexican foods. Uh, Oh man, there are just so many. Yeah, exactly. There are just so many entrepreneurs that I've spoken to that actually started in the farmer's market space Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they've grown from there, but what they learned during the, you know, the time on the cold mornings, you know, is standing with their, their gloves on and so on. The amount of learning that they, um, that they had during that time was just priceless.
1: Yeah. Oh Uh, yeah. I I've seen other food brands spend a ton of money and go straight to like they get a distributor or whatever. And there's so many expensive um, mistakes and it's so hard to pivot. Like I remember I had this one brand who um, beautiful packaging, immediately got in retail. Like I guess they had a, a lot large amount of funding and it was like a snack. Like um, like there were like clusters of gran- like granola and it was supposed yep. to be, you're supposed to eat it with your hand. But by the time people got it, the clusters had broken down and everyone was eating it like granola. Yeah. So all of a sudden it's like, okay, you sold this delicious product, but nobody's eating it the way you're marketing it, which means mm-hmm. it needs a different place in the grocery store. The packaging has to be different and the messaging is different, or you need to change the product. And that's really expensive. And I think you're fighting an uphill battle. If you launch something and you don't get in front of people to learn those things, mm-hmm. and then you do learn those things, like, what do you do? Like, do you... You just try and convince people not to eat it the way they want to eat it,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I do know exactly what you mean by that. That's actually, as a food packaging consultant here at Food Pack, these are some of the questions that I'll ask my clients. Like, how is it the product? How do you want the consumer to eat your product? Like, what are they expecting mm-hmm. when they open the bag? How long is it going to sit on the shelf? What kind of shelf life are you expecting here? And not only that, in a lot of cases, when a consumer is walking down the grocery aisle, it's the first time that they'll ever interact with your brand. So mm-hmm. your branding needs to be so on point you know, Mm -hmm. to actually capture them and have them look at your package when there is so much competition out there, like what's going to differentiate you. So, you know, spending those few dollars that you do have on your packaging design, in my opinion, is one of the smartest things that you can do as well.
1: Oh, totally agree. I think it's, it makes it easier to work with influencers because people want to photograph it. It pops on the shelf and something else is like, what is going to packaging that's going to work in a, farmer's market is mm-hmm. not necessarily going to work in a grocery store I remember we had a consultation with one they were like a cookie brand and they had their cookies in cellophane bags yeah and it was and you know like that's great for farmer's markets um but on the shelf it's gonna look I don't know like I want to say like less food safe or less professional it's not gonna pop yep. um unless it's like made in house and I remember we said like what about your packaging and they're like no people love our packages I'm like people love them at the farmer's market they're not going to love it when it like looks crumbly and it looks like it was made in someone's kitchen at mm-hmm. Whole Foods, you know, like it. So, yeah, yeah I
0: totally. Agree. And not only that, I mean, the you got to think about the shelf life that you're getting in cellophane or something like that as mm-hmm. well. Like um, mm-hmm. there are so many directions that we could take this conversation. I mean, one thing that I really like to highlight for the clients that I speak to as well is that you've got such an opportunity to tell a story on your packaging. So the packaging that you choose is really critical. Like you could have a stand-up pouch, which typically has a front panel and a back panel with the bottom gusset. It just sits up with the zip and the 10 notches, or you Mm -hmm. could, um, if your product is suited for it, look at a box style pouch, which has got the extra side panels and the gussets, which, you know, really allows some extra and valuable real estate to, you know, get Mm -hmm. some extra messaging across. So you can really, really Mm -hmm. utilize that space as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All great points. Yeah. I think, uh, I see people spending a ton of money on things when they first start. Mm -hmm. Um, Photography, but I'm like packaging is really something that's going to continue to pay off in so many ways.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, there are so many different ways that somebody could get started as well, whether it's with a stock plastic pouch and they're applying a sticker or a label to it, or whether they go straight Mm -hmm. into a printed project. I think that a lot of people would be surprised as to how easy it is to get into a a really beautiful package. Oh, Yeah. um, Even at low quantities, like, yeah, your price point is going to be a little bit more per unit, but as soon as your business starts to scale, which it will over time, your unit cost is dramatically going to drop down and you've got to keep that in mind as well. But unfortunately the price of doing business at low quantities is that it is a little bit more expensive at times.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I do think it results in more sales, which is worth the investment.
0: Yeah. It's a strategic approach for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the moment you've got a team of seven over sort of what period of time did you realize that you needed to bring some specialists on board to help you out and, and what areas of the business did you sort of fill first um, and sort of what was your strategy around that To uh, in terms of hiring?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, every entrepreneur will tell you most of them nine out of 10 will say, you don't make the money you think you're going to (laughs) make in the time you're going to make, you know? Mm. Um, and so I hear this all the time where people are like, I don't have the money to hire, but I now realize like you will not make that money unless you hire, because I think, you know, you're too busy working in the business that you're Mm. not putting out there that you can grow. Also, you're not like improving the quality of what you're doing. So you can't charge more. Mm. So basically, um, we were about like a, over a year old and somebody just kept reaching out to us. Mm. She kept saying like, okay, like the, almost everyone that I've hired has pestered me, which is like a good thing. Cause I usually just like hire. And I think of the people that's been bo- the people that are bothering me. Yeah. I think I've heard two people recently. And that was one of the only times I've actually like I'd done a job search. So uh, this woman was like kept reaching out. And finally my partner and I were like, sh- we keep telling her like, yeah, sure. Soon, soon, soon. I think we just need to give her some hours. I was not making a living wage i think i was working a couple part-time jobs um but it was just you know i now believe like you really have to act like you're that one step ahead and as soon as we hired her too like it made us look a little bit more professional like immediately like the business came for so many reasons i had more time i think when we went and talked to clients the fact that we like now had more people it legitimized us Mm. um i think even just like energetically you're like bring up some space for more stuff to come in. So about a year and a half we hired someone and she did photography, she did some social media. Um and yeah, so now I have a actually I have a team of like 10, but it, I think it's like six or seven core people. Like I have a few people that just do like engaging, but I have six or seven core people. I have a senior marketer, marketing manager, two account managers, an operations person, three designers, um and some some engage people who do engaging.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. Um, You know, working by yourself is such a a tough task, you know, whether it's the mindset that you've got to undertake to be able to get up every day and do it over and over and over again versus, you know, managing a team, you know, managing a team of people, which, like you said, you can get energy from the team, but then, um, you know, bringing on a team also has its challenges at times as well. Um, but one thing that I really love about your online presence and sort of the message that you get out there on LinkedIn is that you're such an open book. Like you're so honest, and um, especially into sort of how you operate the businesses or your business and the challenges that you've come up come up against. So tell really? us a few of those little stories. Cause There was one in particular. It was probably one of your more recent posts where you said, you know, you were struggling to pay yourself a salary at one stage, and you sat down with one of your clients, and you were sort of discussing it. And he's like, you know what? How about I pay for a six months upfront and I get a discount. So sort of walk us through that conversation and sort of the direction that it sort of shifted your business in.
1: Yeah. I mean, I talked to like a very successful entrepreneur and he was like, Oh yeah, I feel like quitting every six months. So like, that's totally normal. I think about it like once a year, I'm just like, <laughs> why am I doing this? Um, yeah. I think too like in the beginning cash flow is such an issue and I think it's actually worse for food businesses because sometimes you can get to a place where people don't pay for 6 months. Oh yeah. So um yeah, I've had a few times in my career with this business where I'm like why am I doing this? I'm stressed because we don't make any money and then when we are busy I'm stressed about being busy. Like what's the point? You know? Um and so in the beginning cash flow was a really big issue because I would give my clients 30 days to pay and like total transparency. Like when you first start, you are working with people who are at your level where cash flow is an issue for them too. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean, like the more established you get, it's not that the clients are better or worse. It's just when you're starting, oftentimes like they're hiring you because of your price and your experience and that matches where they are. I don't have any problem with any clients paying anymore, but in the first couple of years, I really did. Um, and so what would happen is I would, I always pay my team first. But I, like the, the month would end and then I'd be waiting for clients to pay. Sometimes they'd be mailing me checks and then two or three weeks later, I'd finally get the checks. I would pay my team. Some people would be late and then the month would start again and I'd have to pay my team. And so sometimes I went like three or four months without paying myself, mm. um, which is very stressful. I like I am the income generator of my family. We I have a daughter. We have a townhouse. So like the pressure's on. I'm not one of yeah. those people that's, oh, well, like bills are taken care of. Um, and so, yeah, one of my clients, like we, I really loved him, um, but we never really hung out socially. And one day he was like, let's just go for coffee, which I like highly recommend just like connect with your clients on a personal level and the relationship. And yeah, I just told them this problem and it honestly, like, I I don't want to say it saved my business, but it probably saved my sanity in a big way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say like, I've had a few big, Issues where like my back has been against the wall, but it's it's a good thing because it's you know, if things are fine, you don't really change. If things are really bad, you're like, well, I can't do this anymore. Um so but it's also like I have to tell you every time I pay my team and I can pay them as soon as they send an invoice. I, I'm i like so grateful and happy because I remember the stress of emailing my team and being like, so sorry. Um If you need the money now, like I can pay you out of my personal credit line. So like to be able to have the money in my bank and pay my team Mm. right when they ask for it and pay myself is like a joy I will never take for granted.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's important to, you know, well, I mean, it'd be great if you didn't have those experiences, but you know, if you do have those experiences, look upon them with fond memories of, you know, from where you were to where you are now. And it sounds like you're doing exactly just that.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I'd also like to sort of have a, a chat with you about being a working mum as well, because you mentioned that your daughter's seven years old. And how old's the business now? How long have you been operating? Is it six years? Um,
1: 2016,
0: 70, 89, Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first coming up six like couple years. Couple months. Yeah, yeah, like
1: she. Was, um, I want to say like one and a half too. When yeah. like the first couple months were just like, I, I think we started at like in September of twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And how have you managed to balance it all?
1: honestly, it's so much easier. It's so much easier. Cause it's like, I'm here. Um, in the beginning, I worked a lot more where, you know, she would go to bed and I'd be like, I have to do this stuff. It was really hard during COVID with just like people in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it's so much like, I remember the first time it snowed, I was able to just drop everything and go out and play Mm -hmm. with her. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I work half the hours that I did when I worked at a job, I mm-hmm. pick her up from school. So it's like, I'm much more present. Um, she said, she was telling me this morning, she was like, I want to take over your business. And I was like, look, she's seven. So I'm like, you just want to sit in front of a computer all day. But she's <laughs> like, yeah. um, and so it's funny because I get a lot of young female students ask me about it. And I'm like, the parenting thing was never the challenge with this business because I was here um, in the beginning. Yeah, I, I worked a lot more hours and it was a lot more stressful money wise. But I'm like, I'm not commuting. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm like right beside the school. I could walk her to school. So, and it just, it like, when you become an entrepreneur, you're not building a business, you're building a life. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I never really worked out before. Cause I would get up at like six or seven. I would drive for half an hour, an hour, get home, make dinner, want to hang out with my family. I didn't want to go spend one of those precious hours at the gym. And now it's like, at one point I was playing volleyball five days a week. I work out every day. I like leave in the the day to go for walks, have a nap, bathe, take my kid, like, and I work about half the hours. So, um, I mean, you have to get there, you'll build it. I think food business is different. You actually have to be in a kitchen, yeah. you know, yep. at, at farmer's markets. But for me, the balance, um, that was the, the, that was never the challenge. The challenge was more like mental breakdowns and like wanting to make some money. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so how did you manage that? How did you manage sort of your mindset and the managing the daily stresses?
1: Yeah, uh, the first couple of years were stressful, but it's also like, um, I want to say like the first year, you're kind of in a bit of denial too. You're like, okay, I'll think about this as school. I'm making this investment. And I see a lot of business owners or partners leave the business or shut down after a year and a half because I think that's where people are like, okay, I'm in it. And the gloss of all the benefits are either still outweighing the disadvantages or they're not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I make my own hours. Yeah, I'm free, but I'm so tired of like, not being able to buy anything and not knowing when or how this is going to happen. I'm constantly wondering if I've just like reached the limit of this business model. So the first year is tough, but you're also sort of like so fired up. Um, and people would be like, how's your business going? I'd be like, I have no fucking idea. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's good. Um, and marketing is a little bit interesting. I think food is like, it's, it's very much a community. People are very helpful. Like you do hummus, I do crackers. We're like marketing is, is less so. Um, and then two to three, I'd say like two years, two to three and a half were a grind. Cause I was like in it, you know, I've yeah. been in it a while. I was constantly questioning whether, um, whether I had just like reached the capacity of the business. Um, I was just like tired, you know, I was like tired of being poor. Like I was able to like, I was always able to pay myself, but you know, living wage and I was very ambitious. Um, and I had a couple times where I was just like so fucking done. But then I would be like, OK, well, like one time I was I remember my visa, my credit line of credit was almost maxed out um, just because I was like waiting for the money to come in. And I was like on vacation with my family and I was so stressed. I was like, why am I doing this? Like, what's the point? I don't even like this anymore. <laughs> Um, and so I was like, well, people kept saying like, why don't you quit? And I was like, well, I just feel like I'm quitting before I even know what this is yet. You know? So those are the times when I spend a lot of money on like courses or a business coach, or I'm just like, fuck it. Like we're going to like, I'm going to invest a bunch of money on like doing an online course. We'll do an event. And so there's been a couple of times where my back has been against the wall and this is pre COVID. Then I started doing events to like stabilize my revenue, to like diversify my revenue stream. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was around year like about a year and a half ago where things got like really steady and like really good. Like it was like, finally, it was like the momentum I'm telling you, like, it takes a long time to build that momentum, that reputation. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's so much more fun when you're able to like, not worry about paying yourself and being able to be like, I can do this course. I can afford this seminar. I can Mm -hmm. like hire a coach. And like, I, I can focus on the exciting things and not worry about like, whatever or like even just hiring more experienced people like everyone I've hired has been pretty much amazing yeah. but you get people that are like more in marketing and they like my team is all smarter than me like like I've been on calls with clients where the clients are like I asked Lindsay this question and she just was confused I'm like I know I don't like I don't have time to this stuff anymore I have to run a business and it's such a joy and a pleasure to be like all of you people are smarter than me like help me build this you know and in the beginning you are managing and mentoring everybody
0: yeah yeah, yeah, exactly, and you're probably giving them the freedom to have. Well, I'm going to say you get it. You're giving them the ability to have the creative freedom that you were desiring so bad when you were at Whole Foods, you know, or you know yeah. within your other organized within the other businesses that you're working at. You felt as if you were sort of like a. You were chopping on the bit. You just wanted to be released and you're actually like, you know, you've learned from that and now you're releasing your employees out into the world and, and giving them some freedom. So that must feel great.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think my problem too is like, I have to, I'm like, you have to tell me if you want to learn more because we're still a startup. And so I know that, you know, we don't offer a ton of stability. Yeah. So contractors, but I'm like, what I can offer you is like, I will let you experiment or do whatever you want. So you need to tell me, I don't want you to leave after six months and say like, I'm, I'm not really learning anything. Um, yeah. And I will say that like 90% of the people that leave, they leave for like great opportunities. I help them get the next job. Like I get it. You know, I, I understand wanting to grow in your career.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so that's, that's another really nice thing.
0: Awesome. Two things that you mentioned. So you said, well, I know that you have sat down with a client before and you've sort of gained some insight and some knowledge and, you know, had the ability to sort of um, leverage their um, perspective to help you take your business to the next step. And then you also mentioned that you've worked with some business coaches before and you've done some sort of webinars and stuff like that. So did you, do you have a network of um, advisors around you or people that you sort of really lean on for that kind of side of the business?
1: Um, so I, uh, I hired a business coach and she was great. Her name was Lisa Pricknick. Um, and then I, there's this thing called the bundle co where they offer 150 businesses for like a hundred dollars and it'll take me about a year to go through them. Um, and then I signed up for a few masterminds. So I did like a Facebook ads mastermind with, uh, Tammy Cannon. And right now I'm doing a Google mastermind. I'm still looking for that next like mentor. Maybe I'm just like not ready to spend that next level of money. Yeah. Um, but I do have two core people on my team who I worked at Whole Foods with and they're, they're more my peers. So um, Emily is my designer, but she's really like a very experienced designer. And then Lynn is my operations manager. And so we sit and discuss, like they are so experienced and they are so knowledgeable that they, they're my team, but they are kind of partners in terms of like how I trust their opinion. Mm. Um, and it, it is like, I, it's so valuable to have people on your team that, you know, not going to leave or they're going to give you like a a big heads up and that they're going to be honest with you Mm -hmm. um and they're going to give you the hard truths and so yeah i mean if they went on greener pastures i would support and cheer them on but they've been with me for a very long time i trust them completely um and they are sort of like my advisors but i'm still looking for like that that next level my next big coach or mentor Mm.
0: Yeah, I know. And it's really important to find that right person and have some chemistry with them as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully you come across that person and somebody today is listening to the podcast and they may know somebody as well that can point you in the right direction too. Yeah. Awesome. So now that you've been operating for quite some time, it sounds like you're sort of through the thick of it and you're really enjoying what you're doing and you feel as if you've sort of arrived at that perfect place and, and you're exactly where you're meant to be. You know, over the years, you've made some mistakes and you've learned a lot along the way. If you were to sort of go back and speak to the person that you were back when you were first starting out and saying, Hey, and offer yourself some guidance. What guidance would you have offered yourself?
1: Um, chill out.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think the biggest stress is just not knowing if it's going to work, yep. you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I mean, yeah, you feel like you're meant to be, but there's still a lot of questions, you know, like I feel like um, we just got to a place where I'm like pretty comfortable. Mm. Like, I'd say at the end of last year is when we got to a place where it was like much more stable. I felt much more confident. Like if, I think for so many years, if I was like, if we lose a client, like this really affects me being able to pay my bills personally. And now it's like, we lose a client. It's like, oh, it's not that great of a fit. Things might change a little bit, but it's not a big deal. And it's, it's really wonderful. So I think if I could go back, I'd just be like, chill out. It's going to take some time. I spent so much time worrying, like, it's just, just like the business model, because for so long, I mean, I had to address some like mental blocks um, for so long, we just couldn't reach a certain sales goal. And it was really frustrating. And I was constantly just like, is it because this business model is not capable of doing more? Um, and so I think if I had spent that mental energy, um, like being creative, I could have gotten a lot further. I would say too, like, I wish I had hired sooner. Um, I wish I had done coaching sooner. And in the beginning I didn't do a, like a lot of networking or courses. Like Hmm. I was like, well, I read all the blogs. I'm in social media. Like I'm an expert. I don't have to spend all this time, but you know, um, the online courses really keep you sharp. yeah. Um, and it also helps me create content for my like social media or whatever. So yeah, I would just be like chill out <laughs> hire sooner. And you know, you're not above promoting yourself or really investing in your learning.
0: Perfect. They're such great tips. So what's the future for Picant? Where are you taking it?
1: Um, yeah, so, I, I'm really trying to like, I, I love the one-on-one coaching and the consulting, but I do feel like I've reached a limit in terms of like how many people I can take on. And so we're really trying to like turn that into a program so that we can like help and work with larger and larger groups of people. Um, So that's like the big thing is um, like you have a bigger community, everyone benefits, right? Like the food Mm -hmm. companies benefit because you can network with them. And so the agency side is really good. I want to be, I just want to be better. Like, um, I want the quality to go up. Like we have great quality, but like I would love to be able to offer like Google ads or um, you know, maybe video one day. So I really want to like solidify and offer a more premium service through the agency. I want to have more programs and courses so that if you're at any level, you can come to our website and you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much online learning. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we're I'm hoping to get this business to a seven-figure agency in three years. So that'll be. Like, that's just, like, it's a wonderful thing to have that for your community, right? Like, Mm. you can get your team better. You can um, do more exciting things for your clients. So that will be very exciting. Yeah, and it's
0: great to have a goal to drive towards as well because it's sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, having that vision and that goal that you're working towards sort of defines the decisions that you make today.
1: And it's just, like, it motivates your team, right? Like, I think, too for so many years, it's like you made progress, but it really doesn't feel like progress because you might double your revenue 100%, but like 100% of like 10 grand, like <laughs> yep. nothing, you're still poor, you know? Yes. Um, and so for so many years, it was like you were making progress, but it was it's just a bit of a grind. And you might not feel like it when you're in it. I always loved what I did. I always loved my clients. I always loved the industry and I loved my team. Um, but, you know, I, I just have to say like the last year and a half, it's just so much more fun it's so much more fun when you're like, you can play a little bit, you know,
0: yeah, no, nah, absolutely. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for your time today. I've learned so much. Um, honestly, guys, if there's anybody out there and you're a startup business in the food-based CBG space, I recommend you jump onto Lindsay's website, have a look around and you'll notice there's so much information up for grabs. And uh, and I highly recommend reaching out to Lindsay as well and starting a conversation because um, it's obvious to me and I know it's obvious to all of the listeners today, Lindsay, that you definitely know your stuff and that you've got so much to offer. You're so passionate about what you do. So thank you very much for your time
1: yeah thank you i will say too if you find us on instagram i'm there every day i interview other entrepreneurs i'm always trying to give free tips also, um, our newsletter, which you can sign up through Instagram, we always have freebies. So like right now, there's a list of ways that you can collaborate with other brands that doesn't include giveaways, but that will build your social media, build your brand and drive sales. So definitely sign up for the newsletter. I send it out once a week and I'm sharing things that I'm learning as an agency owner. So right now I'm working with somebody at Facebook and my last newsletter was like, here's what they told me what's working right now. So um, yeah, find me on Instagram, sign up for a newsletter.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Take care. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions from today's episode or would like to know more about what I can do to help you achieve your packaging vision, you can reach me directly at hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. You could DM me on Instagram at thepackheavypodcast or we could also connect on LinkedIn and start a conversation there. I'll see you next week.